Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the League podcast. This is already the Cleveland Guardians general manager. With me is your commissioner and general manager of the Kansas City Royals, Drew Lamp. Drew, how are you doing tonight? I have a mashup mix on. I'm two beers deep and I'm ready to talk about this entire season. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Artie, how are you? I am sipping on some Tullamore whiskey. I'm not listening to any mashups, but I do have the Yankees game on on my second screen here. Feeling good. Garrett Cole's back. Um, And we are certainly getting to the end of a very interesting season of the league. A lot to talk about, like you said. We're going to go trade deadline. We're going to talk about some top performers, some things that shocked us, some teams that shocked us. Uh, And then maybe we'll wrap it up and talk about the playoffs and maybe even get into prospects. Who knows? We'll have a wild night. (laughs) <laughs> we both kind of wrote off the night for this, so we'll see where it goes. Well, I definitely wanted to start with the trade deadline, and I'd love to run through kind of some of the bigger trades here. Uh, Artie, do you mind if I kick us off with one of them? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start small. We're just going to get big. But even this trade, I wouldn't even quite go as a small deal. Uh, Baltimore Bryant was one of the most active people in the deadline. This dude was trading pretty much anybody that would pick up the phone and move a guy for him. One trade that I just jumped off the screen at me when he did it was his big free agent signing, James Paxton. Paxton had an okay year, uh, 4.6 ERA, and uh, Danny Jimenez going to Houston for one of Brian's, Brian to Brian connection here, uh, former big, big name free agent signings, Trevor Bauer, and looking like two smaller prospects, Elijah Greer, Green, and Manny Ramirez. Uh, this trade's wild to me for a few reasons. One, Trevor Bauer looks like he might be dead. Um, his ratings have fallen off a map, but he had an okay season in Houston, and he had a having a pretty good year since the trade line in Baltimore. He's got a 2.5 ERA. But really, the big names that are going to Baltimore are Manny Ramirez, who looks like he might be a swingman starter, and Elijah Green, who looks to be a power and defense center fielder. Yeah, this is definitely one of the trades that definitely was on my radar. I was looking at it when it happened. Yeah, like you said, Bauer absolutely fell off um, a 25% retain. Got to think this was a little bit of a salary move um, to get the – uh, to get the big lefty, big maple, and uh, Danny Jimenez. But yeah, Brian, uh, as in Baltimore, Brian, very active, selling off pretty much anything that had any value to anybody. Yeah, and Paxton specifically, like, for somehow, for some reason at 34, his ratings still look great. He and Bauer in their new homes both look like they're doing great. So maybe I'm the dumb one thinking that a 34-year-old and a 32-year-old that had a rough first half maybe didn't have too much value, but they're both doing great on their new teams. Uh, Another trade that Houston Bryan made that jumped off the screen at me when it happened was when he went out and he got the 26-year-old lefty from Miami, Tarek Skubal. He traded two young fellas. He got a left fielder named Jose Aguilar going to Miami and Terso Ornelas. Ornelas is 23 and he looks fully developed. He looks ready to go and hit in the majors and he's done pretty well in Miami since he's head over there. 
Aguilar is much more of a work in progress. He's 22. He looks like he can have some good power, good contact, tons of speed, but he's still down in a ball where he's not posted a plus war season quite yet. So really two smaller players going for, in my opinion, one of the better left-handed pitchers in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy still has control for three years. Top talking about Scooball now, doing pretty well for the the Astros. Definitely going to be a really good pickup for you know any playoff push that happens in the next three years. He's doing even a little bit better right now than he was over in Miami. Um, but he's just been improving every single year. Um, this was a big one in my opinion for uh, for Houston. One problem about Scooball. I love his ratings. Love his pitch mix. Guy sucks as a person he has high greed low loyalty low adaptability low work ethic low on intelligence personality class unmotivated he doesn't even want to pitch but yeah if he performs to his talent it's a win trade all the way through yeah well maybe that high grade will help as he hits these arbitration years for him i mean i don't really know how that all works but it, you know, I don't I don't really care about personality class and, you know, all of those things. That's probably why my team is so bad and everyone's unhappy. Who knows? No one's no one can really say for sure. Um, but I, either way, I think it was a really good pickup. I think it was a good pickup for Houston. Awesome. Uh, one trade that we've talked about some trades where like, the players went and they performed pretty well. And trust me, boys, if you're listening, we're going through a lot of these today. Uh, one trade that's wild looking at the performance afterwards is the nationals and red sox trade with the centerpiece being victor robles if you don't know victor robles is a 26 year old d and speed guy good contact like the prototypical corner outfielder that we really see in our league but since he's gone to boston you think good double spark that gap power will work out no he has a 56 OPS plus. He's hitting beneath 200. His OPS is under 600, and he has not accounted any war whatsoever. So what do you think Tyler gave up for him? Gave up Jacob Smith. Uh, looks to be a ground ball prospect. There might be something there. He's 23. William Kepner, uh, 50 overall everything for pitching ratings. Four-pitch mix. Uh, he's got some upside, but he has really stunk it up in the minors. And the big name that went back to Washington is Rock Riggio. Uh, Rock Riggio is also a speed and D guy. Great outfield ratings, great speed, okay contact. But he was just tearing it up in A-plus ball and double-A earlier this year. And it's looking like he's doing okay in triple-A. So at 21, it's a promising center fielder going to Josh in Washington for – a corner outfielder that has just not been able to perform since going to Boston. Yeah. And on more on rock Riggio, he is absolutely, you know, nobody really flies through the minors like this. He was in high school in the same year that he was already crushing it in single a ball the next year moving up. Now he's in triple a doing okay. Um, but like I said, 21, he's going to adjust. He's going to get there, uh, but that defense is outstanding. Um, this looks like it's going to end up being a big win for the Nationals, especially if Victor Robles isn't able to put anything together. Um, he is on a really, really long contract. So, you know, he has time. Um, he could obviously get moved again, but he has time to get it together. He's still really effective on the base paths. Uh, but right now, early on, it's looking like a big win for the Nationals. I completely, completely agree. It's crazy to think about, too, because Robles, he was an all-star in their first and second year. 
And now it's just looking like he hasn't been able to replicate that success quite yet. Um, moving on to another trade that I, I don't know what this one was. <laughs> this It's looking like a starter for two middle-tier prospects. Uh, Boston and one of Chad's few moves. Um, it looks to me like Boston sent Tyler Black, who's a 23-year-old infielder, plays three of the infield spots, and 25-year-old Luca Deltari, who's a right-handed pitcher, could come out of the pen, could be a starter. Chad's had him coming out of the pen since he went to Detroit for uh, Josh James, who just has not performed <laughs> since he's gone to Boston. Josh James, yeah. like, was crushing it this year. He had an all-star season. But... <laughs> 6.0 ERA in five starts, 24 innings pitch, somehow caught two wins. But, yeah, it's just an interesting trade to me. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm trying to look at some splits here, see if maybe coming, you know, out of the bullpen and becoming a starter is maybe what, what messed him up. But, yeah, he's just absolutely uh, not performing in Boston. It looks like he actually got bumped down to AAA Pawtucket um, or Worcester if you're in IRL. Um, but yeah, not performed at all. Definitely not living up to what needs to be done in Boston to add value to that, you know, amazing team. Um, so really, really tough there. And it looks like the prospects are going to be the better haul here uh, for Chad. Yeah, I think for Chad specifically, it's he and I aren't competing. You're not competing. The Central, we've got three of us. We're rebuilding. It looks to me like a classic case of sell high, hopefully get some value down the road. Uh, looking at Another one of Baltimore Bryan's trade, uh, one of the few, one of the many, many trades that Oakland did. Uh, I think Oakland and Baltimore Bryan were the most active guys at the deadline. Uh, this is a, another interesting trade. Um, Oakland sends one of their, in, in the prime of the career players they had, Carlos Tochi, pretty good center fielder. Uh, good outfield range, had a pretty good year. He was averaging above one war and or above positive war and if you have positive war in center field that's a win for two 20 year olds uh he gets a reliever swingman type in harold arias right-hander zen pretty low he's a minus a ball he's done okay nothing too too exciting there and then luis gonzalez who's looking like another one of those prototypical outfielders left-handed bat he's got pretty much 40 everything my scout says he's got above average outfield defense, but he's just tearing up rookie ball right now. So it's an interesting trade for Brian to snag what could be a good center fielder, leveraging off two of his prospects that really aren't quite higher on his board. Yeah, it, it does look like, so I'm looking at uh, Carlos Tochi right now. I don't think I've ever been on this person's page. Just, uh, you know, Suffering a little bit offensively. I'm trying to look at his defensive stats here. But, yeah, this was one of the weirder trades, I would say. Um, like you mentioned, just sort of getting that, um, you know, outfield depth. He does still have two years of control despite being 28. High adaptability if you're into that type of thing. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the weirder trades, definitely. Okay, let's go to a trade that when I saw it happen, I couldn't believe these names were moving. Uh, Gamma. We know him. He's over in Arizona now. He's the first year as the Diamondbacks GM. They got eliminated from the playoffs this year, but the future's bright. 
Gamma's always been active making trades. That dude is not scared to flip players and make moves. And one of the few moves uh, DC and the Dodgers did, uh, we had a big-name deal go down here with the Diamondbacks sending minor league starting pitcher lefty Blake Walston, who I really like, and Ryan Bruno, also a lefty, 21, three-pitch mix to the Dodgers for just an absolute boomstick of a bat in Tristan Cassis. And uh, another minor league pitcher, uh, right-hander, 23-year-old Jose Rodulfo. I like all three of the pitchers that moved in this deal. I love Cassis's profile. That dude looks like he is a slugger, three-outcome, through-and-through type player. And it just looks like one of those deals where all the players that moved are good. And you might be seeing this as a win-win deal down the road. At the time of this deal... Arizona Gamma moved to both the pitchers were top 250 prospects, but Cassis's bat is too hard to deny. Yeah, I mean, as you said, uh, Arizona not really in it this year. Definitely a trade for the future, getting uh, leveraging that big bat. Those two pitchers they picked up, I really do like this move long term. I'm looking at Ryan Bruno, three pitch mix, two looks like they're going to end up being plus plus. Um, looks like he's finally setting, settling in an A-ball this year, just absolutely, uh, well, on his new team, actually, crushing it uh, with a 2.68 ERA. Um, yeah, the, the future is definitely bright. Blake Walston as well, four-pitch mix, two looks like they're going to be plus-plus. Um, I think this is a very classic win-win, the future um, built up there in Arizona. But, yeah, that, that bat could be, um, you know, a pivotal, whether it's off the bench or whether it's somewhere in the middle of that lineup. Uh, helping the Dodgers get to the next level there. Uh, you had a team split, brother. That bat went to Arizona. <laughs> oh, my bad. I'm looking at <laughs> all backwards. That's a-okay. <laughs> I Yeah, your profiles on both those guys are spot on. I completely agree. Uh, one of the many moves uh, Josh did, and we've seen Peter Pratt in Minnesota. That guy has made as many win-now deals as you can in a, a single season, he dude's gone crazy this year. I would love to talk about the move he made to get Liam Hendricks. Uh, he was in the he was on the boards, really trying to leverage and trade off Mitch Garver, who spent a good portion of the year not really hitting, and he wanted to package it with a prospect to get a premier closer. And I think he got one of the best relievers at the deadline in Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks is, I'm not going to mince words. He is a superstar since he's gone to Minnesota. He's appeared in 16 games. He's gotten 10 saves. He's almost accounted for one war already 2.4 ERA. And for that to go to Minnesota, when Pete was going all in, I love it. It's a move now. If they can keep him and he doesn't opt out next year, it's a move for next year. And the big win for Josh is getting Andre DePlanter, who looks to be like a really good finesse pitcher, good movement, developing control, three-pitch mix. And at the time of going, he's the number number 85 prospect in the entire league. So that's a pretty good win for a reliever and cash. 
Yeah, so this is a really big deal for Minnesota specifically. They haven't seen a lot of success out of that starting rotation this year. They do have, uh, you know, a lot of big arms in there, but they just haven't been performing to, like, the expectations that you would have for them. You know, Berrios is underperforming. Syndergaard's doing okay. You know, 118 ERA plus, you usually expect a little bit more out of him. Uh, Sean Poppin, same thing, you know, has three outstanding pitches. Incredible stuff, but... 3.86 3.86 ERA. You want someone in that rotation to step up, and unfortunately, it just hasn't happened for the Twins this year. But now the bullpen has been their strength, and now it's just absolutely absurd. You know, this is a bullpen that had Craig Kimbrell, <laughs> had Devin Williams, had Wade Davis out, like outperforming. Um, Sean Reed Foley, a name I think I had heard before, but is just playing out of his mind this year with a 2.88 ERA. That was a bullpen that was scary if you made it to the sixth inning and you were losing. It was already a problem. Now we added Liam Hendricks to the mix, who, as you said, is outperforming what he was doing before the trade. You need to win the game by the fifth inning. You need to beat that starting pitcher in the playoffs against this team if they do make it, or you're not winning the game. Yeah, I love the move when I saw it. I love it now. I think that'll also be one of those things where a few years down the road, we might see it as a win-win, but I'm glad that we looked at that the same way. I love the move for Pete. Uh, we got another trade that I we're going to go through all these boys. I uh, probably won't have as much to talk about as these keep on going, but uh, this is an interesting one as well. Detroit picked up Mike Riley and a minor league first baseman, Michael Bush from Houston for the 25 year old starting pitcher, Matt Manning and 23 year old center fielder, outfielder, Parker Meadows. Artie, you have any first reactions looking at this right now? Well, Matt Manning, first of all, since this trade has been playing outstanding uh, across seven starts, has a 2.2 ERA, has 39 strikeouts at 45 innings, um, and has just been exactly what Houston wanted in their rotation. Now, he's doing good in Detroit, but he is going out of his mind, playing way above what you would expect from him. Um, And this is also a person that is going to be under control for another three seasons. Uh, so first reaction to this was, oh, my gosh, Astros just added a huge arm for three more years. Yeah, and I think the big piece that went to Chad was Michael Bush. Oh, my goodness. This guy, he's, everything's above average. He's got good contact, good run power, hard out, good eye, good avoid Ks, and he's a good defensive first baseman. He's got a 856 OPS in Detroit since he made the move. Clearly, Houston was content with their offense, and they wanted to bolster that rotation. Those are the two big names, and then Parker Meadows and Mike Riley are just kind of toss-ins. Mike Riley helps Chad burn some innings, and Parker Meadows is a triple-A, maybe swing outfielder for Brian as it goes down, but yeah. Manning's a superstar, and Bush is 25 and can become a superstar. Yeah, 25 can and can become a superstar. And, you know, you and me are in the same boat. We're, I think, safe to say, looking longer term um, in terms of winning and in terms of our division. This is one of those moves that scares me a little bit. It's like, okay, this is a really good pickup. He's going to be there for five more years if he wants him there. Um, he looks to be adapting really well to the change of scenery. Um, was not doing too well in Houston, um, only over a few games, but was crushing it in AAA. Now that he's going to get regular starts, I'd be a little bit worried. Yeah, I don't blame you. I I would be too. 
Uh, this is going on to the next one. One of the funnier trades that Houston Brian made. Um, one of the few that DC made on deadline day. Uh, we had Clayton Kershaw waive his 10-5 rights. And he decided that he was no longer about that L.A. boardwalk lifestyle. And D.C. shipped Kershaw, 23-year-old Juan Then, uh, a right-handed pitcher who's pretty much average, got some good pitches across the board. And Nate Davis, who's a 24-year-old prospect in A right now. And Houston sent over relief pitcher Tim Kate, who potentially can be one of the best bullpen arms in the entire league. So this is interesting because of the big name, you'd think it'd be Kershaw. But realistically, I think the biggest names in there are Nate Davis and Tim Kate. You know, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with Tim Kate. Uh, and kind of with you, actually. <laughs> I'm not really sure what happened here. Somehow I lost Tim Kate. A uh, little, little bit of behind the scenes over here at the, the Cleveland Guardians headquarters. Uh, he was on my 40 man. Uh, during the offseason, he got hurt, but then he was somehow in Houston's 26-man again. Uh, remember, he got traded to me last season, um, and then I tried to promote him to my uh, to Cleveland from just, like, 40-man limbo, and he was immediately placed on the Astros roster. So I'm not sure what happened there. Never really dug into it because I just didn't have the time. Uh, feels like Clayton Kershaw should be on my team right now. I don't really know, but he's doing bad anyway, so whatever. Uh, but uh, anyways, end of sidebar. <laughs> um, sorry, I just had to, I had a little confused about that still, and I, this reminded me of it. Um, go ahead, but anyways, go ahead. on the topic of the Houston Astros, uh, now that we're over there, you know, they were, as we said earlier, looking for that starting pitching help. They got James Paxson, they got Matt Manning. Um, I think they were maybe hoping that you know Kershaw would adapt to the change of scenery a little bit, maybe find that old stuff. Doesn't really look like it's happening though. Yeah, I think it's um. An interesting deal. I guess this is one of those things I'll look at it maybe next year and I'll see what ended up happening from it. But yeah, I think that that trade alone is, or that story about Tim K alone is worth mentioning that trade. Uh, moving on to the next one. My mortal enemy when I was the Atlanta Braves general manager, Reese Hoskins, got traded from Josh and the Nationals in Washington to Milwaukee. And he got a 24-year-old minor leaguer, Mitch Myers. Looks to be like your classic finesse guy. Great control, three pitches. Uh, he hasn't really performed too well in the minors. We'll see what ends up with him. And 20-year-old center fielder, Luis Medina. Now, Medina's interesting. He's got some great, great defensive ratings. The bat looks to be coming along, but he's young. He's only 20. And to get that for a 30-year-old power bat that's aging in his last deal, yeah, you had to retain the whole contract. But I think that this is a deal where clearly Mike's going all in. Mike wants to make a playoff run. And Josh gets uh, two prospects out of it. Yep, two two pretty good prospects. Uh, but we'll talk specifically about your, as you put it, moral enemy, something like that. I don't know. You, you got to deal with them. That's kind of weird. Uh, but Reese Hopkins. <laughs> Um, he's going to go over to the Brewers, who, as you said, are looking to make a run. Hasn't played too well there just yet. Um, he's at 33 games. Uh, well, I say not too well. He's actually played kind of awful there with a 542 OPS. That's not really a number you want to hear. 
Um, but it was a pretty low cost, I think, relatively for, you know, what he might have gone for two years ago, especially. Um, he is in the last year of his contract that is completely retained. So short-term rental, low cost, sort of, uh, you know, potential high payout. Yeah. Um, going on with one of those short-term rental guys, uh, Alex, who I was actually expecting to make even more trades than he did. We know Alex. We called him the pipeline pest, like on our debut episode. Mm-hmm. Just always aggressive making trades. He wasn't too, too active on deadline day. But one trade he did do is he traded Mark Melancon, the 38-year-old reliever, for uh, third baseman Gio Urshela. And I love Gio Urshela. I look at his ratings and I'm like, just Gio, hit the ball. Just just hit the ball. You'll have a 700-plus OPS. Uh, so for me, it's two veterans switching, hopefully helping two teams that were looking to make that playoff push. Melancon has just settled in immediately in Milwaukee. 1.56 ERA, 17 innings. That you love to see that. The sad news is he is out with shoulder inflammation for the next eight months. So they are going to be without him for the playoff push. Gio Rochella, he's doing what he does. 700 OPS, 250 batting average. He's hitting the ball. He's playing good defense. Yeah, this is going to end up being probably one of the most like inconsequential trades that involves two major league players just because of, as you said, the injury. Um, and Urshela sort of underperforming, but you know that's what you expect from them. You're paying for the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some more trades to talk about. Uh, one of the many deals that went back and forth between Peter Pratt and Ray in Oakland. Uh, 17-year-old right fielder Sergio Moreno looks to be like a promising power bat. He's 17 years old. He's a young kid. Uh, went to Oakland for Andrew McCutcheon, you know, the captain, tried and true. Uh, McCutcheon was retained 100%. He's doing well in Oakland. He's got a 900 OPS right now. He's got four home runs in 21 started games. Looks to be like a good trade to help Pete bolster that outfield. And the jury's not quite out on Moreno, but he looks to be like one of those up-and-coming stars if he ends up developing. Yeah, McCutcheon's going to have to be a huge part of that playoff push, which Looks like the odds are dying down, but you never know. Could be a late last-minute um, playoff burst. It looks like they're four games out right now, but McCutcheon is an absolute is a great guy to have around. Um, personality class captain, high work ethic. He's a leader. He's adaptable. I say I don't care about those things, but that's because I just don't trade for them. While well. I'm just kind of dumb with that stuff, but he <laughs> is really, really going to be a huge part of that um, of that clubhouse if they are able to make the push and like you said is doing outstanding so far he thrives on that type of environment he's hitting 290 right now um is a great um option on defense has the speed still even at 36 years old or has the base running at least not really the speed anymore now that i look at it but um i like the move i really really like the move if they are able to make it to the playoffs a good rental uh same two teams uh flip players this was another one of those bullpen bolstering moves that we talked about earlier for Pete. Pete went out and got Wade Davis from Ray in Oakland. Wade Davis, three pitch mix, plus plus everything, 2.45 ERA. He gave up 20-year-old, 21-year-old Erasimo Moreno. Moreno, the jury's out. He's 21. He's still developing. He's in rookie ball. He looks to have a plus plus changeup if he ever makes it. 
looks to be a reliever through and through. I think that that's just one of those trades that will benefit both teams. Wade Davis, old vet, getting a prospect for him, helping Pete make a playoff push, helping Ray rebuild. Looks good to me. Yeah, another guy that like, we were talking about that bullpen earlier. Um, another guy uh, who will be helped for the playoff push. I, you got to think that maybe could have done these in like fewer trades. I don't know. <laughs> no, they had to publish them all separately, brother. Really, just uh, had to make your job hard, which I'm all for. Don't get me wrong, but like, come on, let's let's condense this. <laughs> Here's another one, one of uh, Gamma's. I loved this deal. Uh, one of the trades that we got coming out of Montreal, uh, Gamma in Arizona traded Esteban Aquino, who looks to be a power eye defense outfielder, looks awesome, love the profile there, and Corbin Klaus, who is just a, oh, it's like the dream profile for a reliever, to acquire shortstop Ed Howard, who you look at it, it's the dream profile for for a shortstop. Ed Howard is in 42 games since this trade, the major league starting shortstop for Arizona, and he has put up 1.3 war. Now, you might not know these names. You might be asking questions. I know Dan's banging his desk right now. He knows all these guys. Ed Howard was the number 11 prospect in the league when he was moved at the deadline. This guy was a big name prospect. And Esteban Aquino is the, was the 52nd highest prospect. He's one of the best outfield prospects in the entire league. And to me, I'm looking at this. Montreal, they're, they're making a playoff push. They are in their cores in the perfect age for it. And Corbin Klaus is just fantastic. He has not performed since going to Montreal. 9.72 ERA right now. About one earned run per inning he's done. And it's just, I love this deal for both sides, man. Just a sh- high-profile prospects. Yeah, it's looking like that was one blow-up. And what it looks like was probably his first, yeah, it was his first start, or his first appearance, sorry, on his new team. Uh, gave up five runs in 1.1. Has not done great since then. He has... Three straight appearances of not giving up a run, uh, totaling four innings. Maybe he'll settle in. You know, you can't always look at that uh, reliever ERA, especially in those short doses. But yeah, if they're making a playoff run, he is going to be a huge part of it. I expect him to settle down and get back into his normal dominating ways like he was over in Arizona this year. Any thoughts on Ed Howard's profile? I was just looking at it. Let me get back to it. Because I... I also, as as you said, he's punching his desk right now. Hadn't heard much of him, but yeah, this is he's gonna have a closet full of uh, great value glove awards by the time his career is <laughs> over. Yeah, and a three hundred batting average. Uh, Ed Howard skipped AAA. Who needs it? You don't need AAA. Went from AA to the majors in this deal, and he's hitting three hundred. Has an eight fifty six OPS. Yeah. <laughs> Just. Definitely cannot accuse them of service time manipulation. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, let's head on back over to Houston. We know how active Ryan's been. We talked him out a lot. He has been trying to dump J.D. Martinez since he got him. <laughs> Retention's been available. He wanted J.D. Martinez off this roster. And he did just that. He sent J.D. Martinez to Atlanta 
And in return, he got a pitching prospect, 22-year-old right-handed pitcher, Jake Garland. Classic three-pitch mix. Not doing too well in the minors, but there's some upside there. And Victor Vodnik came over to Houston, 23-year-old right-handed pitcher who has performed pretty well in the minors. Another classic three-pitch mix. And a 17-year-old catcher. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to butcher this. Shout out to the nation of Italy, Guglielmo Fonzio. Uh, who looks to be just a superstar talent at catcher with my scouts got him at 65 power. OSA's got him at 70 power. Yeah, a lot of potential upside there. Um, we certainly won't know for a few years, but yeah, I was I was happy to see him finally, you know, just proud of him for finally doing it, getting J.D. Martinez off the books, who I think he signed for another year. There's a player opt-out, but you have to imagine he's not going to opt-out based on the this year's performance. But yeah, I think it was a good move. You know, get that off your books. Um, certainly, J.D. is a guy who can turn around and have an, you know, a power burst out of nowhere, but a good move there for the Astros to get um, some really, a couple really good prospects in there. Absolutely. Let's stay in Atlanta and talk about another one of Atlanta's deals. Uh, the Braves traded a 24-year-old prospect, Jackson Arnsdorf. Uh, looks to be another one of those classic finesse guys. Doing great in the minors, a sub-4 ERA right now. He's got a three-pitch mix. Over to Baltimore. Uh, so Arnsdorf went from Atlanta he also traded 22-year-old first baseman Gavin Cassis, who has some power upside. There's some pop in that bat. He's a great defensive first baseman. And 22-year-old minor league center fielder Vladimir Restuyo. I butchered that name, that's for sure. Uh, he looks just like a premier center fielder. He's got a good bat, fantastic outfield ratings, great speed. He's combined for like 3.3 war this year in A+. plus, So I'm expecting to see him shoot through the minors next year. And in return, Baltimore Bryan sent over 28-year-old Miguel Diaz. And this guy's got plus, plus, plus stuff. Fastball, slider, change-up mix, all just absolute rock star pitches. And you could swing, man. You could be a reliever. You could start. Looking to me like Danny's using him out of the bullpen where he hasn't been too effective. 5.21 ERA in 19 innings, but he's got almost one war in that. So I think he's getting quite a few holds, but yeah, this is another one of those classic deals. Baltimore in the middle of the rebuild, selling a reliever super high and getting some pieces in the move. Yeah, I'm just trying to take a look at his uh, game log here because again, you know, short term, I just want to see what he's been doing. Um, hasn't been performing like as incredible as his, you know, his ratings would let you believe he could. Doesn't have much movement, decent control, but this Braves bullpen is pretty stacked as it is. Um, so if he, you know, doesn't have it one day, they have three lefties who are, you know, very good pitchers. Rosenthal over their closing games seemed like a sort of uh, low risk move for the Braves to try to add another arm to that bullpen. Not sure they're going to want to keep him in the setup role too long, but we'll see how it pans out. They're certainly going to be in the playoffs. Uh, we'll see if he gets the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a fun one. It's looking to me like two GMs that were bored just looking to make a move. Uh, Smith Ball in Seattle sent 25-year-old Joey Stock and 500 grand 
to Gamma in Arizona for Matt Tabor. Uh, Joey Stock, 25 years old. Uh, he has a just an okay profile. He's got a flamethrower out of the pen. He can throw 100. Good stuff. Okay control. Below average movement. Four-pitch bullpen mix. Could work well. Not quite sure. Matt Tabor, uh, pretty average stuff movement control. Right-handed pitcher. Fastball slider changeup. Potential to start. He's done pretty good in double A this year. Looks to me like they were just digging through each other's systems and they're like, hey, 25 year olds, let's just swap them. Yeah, when you said we're talking about every trade, I didn't realize you meant every trade. <laughs> yeah, brother, come on. We're talking about the no names too. This is one of those ones towards the trade deadline where you see it and you're like, okay. And then you forget about it until it gets brought up on a podcast that you're listening to. <laughs> I agree. So let's move to our next trade. Uh, staying in Arizona with Gamma and Mike in Milwaukee. Uh, Artie, your mind's favorite real-life baseball player, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, got traded from Arizona to Milwaukee. And this deal netted Arizona a uh, 22-year-old left fielder, as well, Leonis, good defensive outfielder. Bath got a ways to go. Good speed, good base running, doing okay in double A right now. 21-year-old Camden Hill. Uh, looks to be like a really young reliever with some promise. Could swing man, could start. He's still really young, but he's got plus-plus stuff. Three really good pitches. And 24-year-old Reese Olsen, who will probably end up being the centerpiece of this deal. Reese Olsen's a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher. Four-plus pitches. Two plus plus pitches, uh, a great changeup, and my favorite pitch in baseball, a superstar screwball. And he's a captain. He's starting in Arizona right now, so he'll probably end up being that centerpiece. And, you know, that boomstick of a bat goes in Bobby Dalpeck, goes over to Milwaukee. Yeah, this is an absolute win win of a trade. Uh, Bobby Dalpeck looks like he's doing pretty well. Uh- not cutting down on those strikeouts by any means, 52 over 36 games, but who cares? 800 OPS, um, playing a decent third base and hitting those home runs, slugging 492 right now. So they're doing what exactly they're paying for. Um, but as I said, win-win. Um, Arizona's getting some good prospects building for the future over there. Um, in case you're wondering why Bobby Dahlbeck is our favorite player, it's because he sits closest to our season tickets at the Yankee at Yankees games, and we were able to harass him uh, while we were fun night on a Saturday night in New York. <laughs> He's the closest Boston Red Sox player oh. that we know the name of. So, really, all that matters. <laughs> it really is. Uh, another trade from Ray and Oakland and Houston, both and Brian. Uh, 28-year-old Dustin Fowler, defensive outfielder, pretty – if he played every game, he'd average 2.0 war. Great gap power, good contact. Uh, he was traded from Oakland to Houston for 23-year-old Jonathan Cannon. Uh, Four-pitch mix, got plus pitches there, could have the potential to two-way. He's got some power at first base. You never know what happens there. And 18-year-old Cesar Gonzalez. Cesar Gonzalez is a middle infielder. Good work ethic. He's got that, uh, how do I describe? It's like an up-down chart profile, low contact, good gap, okay home run power, good eye, good speed. 
he's young. He's 18. So it's a prospect that went to Oakland. I don't have much other thoughts on this other than looks like Dustin Fowler defensive outfield to go in Houston helps their outfield and they got two prospects for it. That's my thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, he's a guy, uh, Dustin Fowler, that is a guy who can play any of the three outfield spots. Um, can slide into that lineup anywhere. Good for contact, decent gap power. Really, really good utility outfielder. Give the, the Astros some options out there. Um, and I don't think they paid up too much to get him. Awesome. Uh, one of the few moves Cam made on the deadline, he traded 30-year-old Tim Anderson. Love the guy in real life. Out of the park, doesn't love him as much as me. He's batting 182 after this trade. He went to St. Louis for 21-year-old Eddie Park, who looks to be like an okay bat, great defense. He's young. He's got some speed. He's averaged one war in the minors since the trade. And 20-year-old potential closer bullpen piece, Omar Yanez. Omar Yanez has performed pretty well since the move. He's 20. He's an A-ball right now. I like it. You're trading a vet. Get two young pieces. They're not quite ranked in the pipeline quite yet, but you got young pieces in your farm. You can see where it ends up down the road. Yeah, I do like this move for the Cardinals. Um, they get a good captain-type player, good work ethic, and Tim Anderson, the king of the cornfield as we know him IRL now after that Field of Dreams game. Um, sorry, just going back to the trade screen here. And yeah, give him two low-level prospects for it. I think there's, you know, there's a definitely a chance he can make an impact on that team um, now that... Uh, you know, he's out of Chicago, maybe can turn it around a little bit. Doesn't look like it just yet, um, but this one, this is going to be one of those trades where we'll have to see down the road what happens. The Cardinals are only going to have Tim Anderson for another year. We'll see if they can squeeze the last drops of productivity out of him. Uh, we're almost done. We only got a few more to go here before we talk about one or two bombs before the deadline. Uh, another trade Ray made, uh, made it with Zach in St. Louis. This is a big deal trade. First baseman, Kavon Biggio, boomstick bat, gold glove caliber first baseman, 1.1 war already since the deadline, going to St. Louis for 19-year-old minor leaguer Edward Gonzalez. Edward Gonzalez plays center field and play any of the outfield spots if he wanted, and he looks to be the real deal if he matures. I love this deal, helping St. Louis make that playoff push, helping Ray rebuild. Yeah, Edward Gonzalez certainly could be a superstar one day. Um, my scout absolutely loves him. Looks like he's got some of the best speed and uh, stealing stats out there. Um, and Kevin Biggio. Give me one second here. Computer's going very slow. Uh, Kevin Biggio already looks like he's turning it around there. Um, Cardinals, another one of those moves that they're making to sort of solidify that playoff push and maybe actually you know, get past the first round um, threatened for the championship series. Um, I like the move. I think it was a uh, win-win. Awesome. We're staying in Oakland. Uh, this is one of the bigger big name deals uh, in terms of the prospects that got moved. Ray moved Colonel Perez, 27-year-old starting pitcher, four-plus pitches. Uh, he's a power pitcher, extreme ground ball can really eat some innings if you ask him to. He's had one war before the deadline, one war after the deadline, and they just got a haul of talent. Uh, first baseman, 20-year-old Jack Caglione uh, looks to be your prototypical power first baseman. Good defense there. 
It's an A plus ball, and he is mashing right now with a one dot OPS. 17 year old reliever closer went in this deal as well. Uh, Tony Pruneda. Tony's got one of those other dream profiles for a reliever. Great stuff, great control, fastball slider mix. One thing that worries me, he only throws 89, but you know, he's 17 years old. Great stamina coming out of the pen at 65. My scout loves the kid. 20 year old Manny Saavedra. Oh my goodness, Manny. Oh, Manny. Manny's in rookie ball right now. He's got just about an 800 OPS, but he's one of the guys that you just dream to have at third base. He's got plus power potential. My scout's got him at 55. He's got an 80 infield arm, 70 infield error, high loyalty and work ethic. Oh, for a 20-year-old, what a haul for Colin Perez. Yeah, interesting contract. Pretty backloaded here with a – so I'm just looking at uh, Perez's contract. Looks like he's making $2 million this year, going to make about $6 million the next two years. Uh, then a player option for $9.5. Uh, so pretty standard, pretty backloaded over there. So the Red Sox do get control of him for a while. They have a pretty stacked roster as, as it is. They'll see, we'll see if they you know, are able to utilize him. He's doing above average now over there. But my God, did they give up some prospects to get them? Uh, as you said, all of these uh, Italian-sounding names, but none of them are in fact Italian. <laughs> I I did have to check just to make sure, but no, none of them are. But yeah, Manny is going to be an absolutely outstanding third baseman, whether or not he's able to, you know, have a major league bat. It doesn't really matter when you're that good at throwing the ball across the diamond. Um, Tony, two plus pitches potential. 17 years old, very bright future ahead of him. And Joe Caglione, is that what we're calling him? No idea. Joey Cags. Joey Cags has excelled every single level of the minor leagues. Um, he's going to be outstanding one day. You're going to get some real value out of these guys in the majors um, three or four years down the road. Yeah, it's probably some one of the bigger prospect deals. And now we're going to move to one of the bigger deals. Uh, there's a lot of names in this. <laughs> Baltimore Brian, my man, just went out and was like, I want D.L. Hall. Uh, and it's just crazy that he had – I messed that up. He had D.L. Hall, and D.C. said, yo, I want D.L. Hall on my roster. D.L. Hall is a 24-year-old minor league starting pitcher. So it was in A and Baltimore a little bit throughout the year. He's got some – some potential. He's got some really, really good starting pitching potential. I love his profile. He's got three pitch mix, all plus plus pitches. But boy, did Danny move move a lot. <laughs> he moved a lot of guys for this. I'm going to go through these names pretty quick. Quick overview. Uh, DC moved 25-year-old Sean Mellon, four pitch mix, ground baller. He's in AAA doing A-OK right now. He moved 23-year-old Emmanuel Dean. Emmanuel Dean is an outfielder. can play any of those outfield spots. He's an A, A-plus ball. He's got plus power potential. Nothing too spectacular there. 21-year-old minor league center fielder, Jonathan Clace. Jonathan Clace is in double-A ball where he's performing okay. He's got about a 750 OPS. Great speed, good defense, a good eye. Not much else in the bat. 20-year-old minor league center fielder at Hedbert Perez. 
Hedbert Perez. Oh, listen to the fire truck, Hawk. There we go. Uh, Hedbert Perez, great defense. Uh, he's got that high gap, high eye, great base running and speed. He's performed pretty well, about a 650, 660 OPS and A-plus ball. And our last name, 32-year-old minor league reliever Michael Waka. And Michael Waka is one of the success stories of the year. 2023 spent most of the year in AAA ball before Brian said, you know what, put the shades on, bring him up to the show. And he has had a 2.09 ERA in five starts. Michael Waka is essentially the ace in the East right now for Baltimore. And, you know, old man can ground ball. The ground ball isn't dead. Babips 179. Let's see him keep it up. DC definitely made a move to get DL Hall. And it looks to me like Brian was more than content with the quantity over quality approach. The biggest name he got was Jonathan Clace, the number 202 prospect in the in the league. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get into that prospect hall, but just a little bit about DL Hall first. Um, looks like he was certainly just not feeling it over there in Baltimore. Wasn't feeling it in their AAA. Wasn't really feeling it anywhere. Is off to a pretty good start. Only five innings right now, but uh, only giving up one earned run uh, over there in L.A. Looks like he got moved back down to the minors. If I'm looking at this correctly, who knows? That could change. He'll move up and down, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, absolutely great future ahead of him. Still has, looks like, five seasons of control left. But, my God, what did he give up to get him? And it's a whole lot. Um, I agree, Clace, I'm not sure if that's Clace or Class A. I'm not really sure how we're pronouncing that one. Uh, but he has an absolutely bright future ahead of him. Looks like he's doing, as you said, really well in double A. Did really well at pretty much every level. You could see the major leagues in a year or two. Um, and then, yeah, Michael Walker, a guy who used to be over in Cleveland and did absolutely awful. What a journey, man. Uh, you know, what a journey. That he has been on just to try to get back into the show. He's on a minor league contract right now, making five hundred thousand a year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see an extension of some type, sub type, or for him to go for a lot more on the open market than a minor league deal next season. It reminds me of Wainwright. I had Wainwright on my team last year, and he had great year out of the pen. And then all of a sudden, you wanted eight million a year, and I was like, no, I'm gonna pay you five hundred k. Moving on, we're down to our final two deadline deals. Uh, Ray in Oakland and Tyler in Boston, two of the more active guys. AJ Puck. Puck, yeah, man. Superstar pitcher in the league. Good Lord, what a profile. Just an absolute talent. Four plus plus pitches. Great stuff. Great movement. Goes over to Boston and has just been a superstar. 2.9 ERA and nine starts. 49 innings. 1.2 war. Babips hovering around. 280 and that ERA plus is 153. What did Oakland get and what did Tyler give up? He gave up 24 year old switch hitting Drew Waters. Drew Waters has the talent. I look at the profile, which is hit the ball, buddy, but he doesn't. He hasn't hit the ball. He's got just barely a 235 OPS or a 235 average since going over. I think that'll change. I think he's young. I think he's going to be, has a bright future in that big park in Oakland. They gave up catcher Christian Vasquez, one of the best defensive catchers in the league. He's got the, one of the few 80 rated catcher defensive positions. Uh, 
there's no bat to speak of, but we don't care about that. This guy's 70 catcher ability, and he's a captain. Big name. Uh, now we're moving on to 21-year-old minor league middle infielder and starting pitcher, Jake Geloff. Geloff could be second base, but he's got way, much, way, way more talent coming out of the pen or starting. Uh, he's got a, some good stats in the minors, but we'll see if he develops. And then 20-year-old Danny Rodriguez. Danny Rodriguez looks to be a true middle infielder, good second baseman. He hasn't put together in the low minors quite yet in rookie ball. He hasn't bat above 200, but he does have some promise. Uh, I think that this is pretty standard value for a guy of Puck's talent, and I love it. We talked about how Ray's rebuilding. We talked about how Tyler's going all in. I love it. Yeah, so I'm just taking a look at some of these guys, uh, just seeing where they slide into their team right now. Christian Vasquez, um, able to fill a role right away over there on the athletics, um, over there as a starter, but really, really uh, the obvious centerpiece of this deal. AJ Puck, able to help out that um, Boston rotation that was definitely underperforming what they were doing last year. They weren't seeing the same production out of Clevenger. They weren't seeing the same production out of Sale. Um, and this move, I think, is going to be really, really helpful in those game twos in the division series and the championship series. Having an arm that you can really you know, rely on to go deep into the games before they get to that bullpen, which has been shaky at times. Completely agree. And, boys, if you made it a full hour into the pod, you made it to the end of the trade deadline. We are talking about Baltimore Bryan getting Jeter Downs from Smithball in Seattle. And what do they give up to get Jeter Downs? Triple A, Keegan Akin lefty. Uh, he's 28. Not sure how much more juice is in that tank. And he's got a good fastball, good changeup, okay slider. He'll probably make it in Seattle rotation next year. But I think that that's a, a pretty good move for Baltimore getting Downs for what I think to be a pretty low name in Triple A. Yeah, uh, a pretty underwhelming trade here, in my opinion. <laughs> Just kidding, kind of. Jeter Downs hasn't really been able to put it together at the major league level yet. Once upon a time, a really high uh, respected prospect. Um, I honestly think uh, a kid might be the better one here. We, we might have to agree to disagree on this one. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll see where we end up. Uh, so that pretty much covers our deadline, but we did have. Uh... A pretty big deal come from your team before the deadline, Artie. Uh, you want to talk about what happened in Cleveland? Yeah, we, we can get into it a little bit. I'm not going to like it very much. But, uh, yep, gave up uh, the, the white whale of every trade deadline for the past three seasons for this league. Shane Bieber uh, ended up giving him 100% reinstated with a minor leaguer, Minju Jung, and $1 million, or, sorry, $10 million cash for a cast of characters, um, including Dace Sclafini, Casey Mize, uh, Johnson, Witt, Muir, Larios, all guys that I really, really like. I'm hoping to build up for the future a bit there. But yeah, Bieber had a, quite a bidding war going on in the DMs. You know, I want to keep it confidential the most I can to, you know, protect any future trades that might exist. But yeah, this one, this one was getting a little bit ugly. With where it ended up, though, Pete very 
uh, sorry, not Pete. And it's very, very persistent. Uh, pretty much did not let me stop talking until it was over. I love it. I love the deal. Uh, Descalfini somehow has been like one of the more reliable pitchers in our league. So I love him. Uh, it mega sucks that Casey Mize tore his UCL. He was one of the brightest young stars in the league. Uh, Tanner Witt got upside. But I think, looking at this, if Elias Larios develops, oh, my God, what a talent. If that kid becomes what he can be, that is one heck of a prospect to get. And obviously, Alex is building his team to win now and win next year. And Bieber's a bona fide ace. We know that. He's got a 3.5 ERA since the move. So, yeah, uh, it was extremely controversial. Apparently, uh, we really, really had to talk about it for a few days. But what a big trade that was. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I was happy I was finally able to get it done. Um, I did say I didn't want to give away too much behind the scenes, but uh, something I've already sort of let slip in the in the chat, and I think it's something we're even maybe going to touch on a little bit more later. Almost traded them uh, to the Phillies, to Dan, just out of spite for one former Mets GM who was really, really lowballing me. Um, we, we can holster that the rest of that Discord for later, though. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think that pretty much covers the big trades I want to talk about. Is there any other trades that happened uh, maybe like a day or two before the deadline already that you want to bring up? There's one that I'm sure we could talk about if we, if we want to get into this now uh, involving superstar Case Williams. <laughs> the greatest prospect in the history of baseball. Yeah, we can talk about Case Williams. <laughs> Let's just get into this. Um, <laughs> you, you can start us off with this because I know you have your opinions. So the trade that we, net, we all heard about that we all heard about. Uh, I'll talk about what this trade was, and then Artie and I will give our opinions on it. I think everybody's already heard pretty much everybody's opinion on this, but Brian in San Diego, I know we got three Brians, and Dan, it's Cody Bellinger's world. We're only living in it, and Philadelphia engaged in one heck of a deal. Uh, Brian traded 24-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. We all know Fernando. He is a superstar. Do not mince words. This guy is a true superstar. And DJ LeMayhew, 34-year-old first baseman, big contact guy who has just loved playing in Philadelphia and a million dollars in cash. And Dan gave up 25-year-old middle infield prospect Bryson Scott good contact pesky batter gave up 24 year old minor league reliever justin fall justin fall could has the potential to swing man maybe even start depending he's been in the padres rotation and out of the pen since making the move he's a true fly ball pitcher so that might really help in that gigantic park at petco the 21 year old minor league center fielder joshua garcia who i Oh my goodness, how is this kid not ranked? If you haven't looked at Yoshua Garcia's profile, oh, he was ranked. He's the number 480, number 84 prospect in baseball. It's just, he's going to be contending for great glove awards and many, many other things 
in center field for a long time. He is going to be one of the best center fielders in a very short while. Uh, Dan also traded 29-year-old utility journeyman Scott Kingery. Scott Kingery is your average utility player. Nothing too special about him. And 21-year-old superstar Case Williams. Case Williams has good stuff, okay control, the classic three-pitch fastball curve changeup mix. He is a fly ball pitcher that throws 95 to 97. That big park in Petco, I love the deal. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> I love this trade for both teams. Dan's going all in. He finally wants to make it to the LCS. And Brian's like, I'm not going to beat the Padres. Let me get some good talent. And he got fly ball pitchers and defense. It's such a good trade. Yeah, I thank you for just talking up the like the balance and the trade-offs that each team was able to to pull out of this. There's I I'm not gonna beat a dead horse and go on about that. There are so many superstars and potential superstars in this trade. Um I think Yoshua Garcia is or Garcia is gonna be incredible. Justin Fall, uh we already know everything about Tatis and LeMayhew. There, there's probably four or five hills to die on to get mad about this trade. <laughs> None of them. None of those hills are named Case Williams. None of them are named Case Williams or Yoshua Garcia. Like, this is a good deal. I, I can talk myself into getting mad about so many parts of this. Case Williams is... Uh, like, Come on, he's like an afterthought of this trade. He's not the centerpiece <laughs> at all. <laughs> I think that that's a great point for us to stop when it comes to the trades that have happened in the league. Artie, let's go actually around the league now and start talking about the players, the teams, the playoff races, and all that gross and grimy stuff that you got to open spreadsheets for. Uh, is there anything off the top of your head that you want to talk about when it comes to top performers? You want me to just run with this? First of all, let me just say, let's get a timestamp on this so we can tell people where to skip ahead if they are not interested in this uh, playoff deadline, or sorry, trade deadline discourse, because we, we really went on about that. 107, baby, 107. Yeah, so there are a lot of things to talk about in the uh, going around the league right now. Let's let's start with the obvious, Cody Ballinger. What, what <laughs> is there to say? About, first of all, we still got about three weeks of baseball left to play. He's got a ten point five seven WAR. I'll say that again: a ten point five seven WAR, WRC plus over two hundred again. OPS that has a second digit of one one dot one four eight right now. Fifty home runs, three forty batting average this he's on pace right now to be the best player of all time i don't think there's any two ways about it so either you're on stats plus or you're on the old file right now because cody bellinger had himself one hell of a week <laughs> did maybe uh, stats plus not update what's going on here no i haven't updated stats plus yet brother i was on oh. duty tonight oh my god cody bellinger his updated stats is a 350 batting average, 464 on base percentage, 
711 slugging. Already his OPS went up. His OPS is 1.175, 213 OPS plus, 54 home runs, 11.7 war. He has already has more wins above replacement as he done the prior year, and he's probably got another 10 games to go. You did not mince words being on pace to be the greatest baseball player of all time. I completely agree with you. He is – this is the pinnacle of baseball, and when I look at his stats, it reminds me that this is a video game. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. The league leader page is just littered with his face as it should be. We, we, I could go on. It's it's like looking at the Bonds 0104 stats right now. <laughs> so I'll I'll get us away from Cody Bellinger. I want to talk about Big Miguel Sano. Oh, you yes. love, you you know I love the guy. I love this guy. It's hit swing for the fence or it's not a hit. Big Miguel Sano right now is 58 home runs. He is on pace for 63. How did he get there? He's getting there by striking out like three times a game. He has tied the major league record of five strikeouts in a game this year, four separate times, and he has 242 strikeouts on the year. Does it matter? Not really. He's like second in the league in an RBI. He has 58 home runs, and he's got a 125 OPS plus. He is a true cleanup hitter, and I love it. I love it. Yeah, Minnesota right now, he's in his last the last year of his contract. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw an extension attempt in there. But they're not paying him to hit singles. They're not paying him to, you know, slap hits anywhere. They're not paying him to do anything but strike out and hit home runs. He's just there to be big on first base and to put the ball in the second deck over there in Minnesota. And that's exactly what he's doing. I uh, yeah, I love Miguel Sano. I love his profile. I love everything about him. Another guy with a pretty similar profile, whole jobs be big at first base and throw it in the second deck is Matt Olson. I had him as triple crown watch every year he's been in the league. He is not going to win the triple crown this year with some of the ridiculous stat lines that we have. But Matt Olson is leading the league in RBIs. He's got 128 RBIs. He's on pace for five war and he's just tried and true. We are lucky to be in a sim where Matt Olson is realizing his talent. And I'm happy to see that even with the time missed, he's still just a fantastic slugger. Yeah, that, that whole run power is absolutely well served over there in Coors. Um, I have a feeling we're going to see him continue to put up somewhere between 45 and 60 home runs every season. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that 2021. So maybe just relax with those triple crown predictions in future years. Um, but right now, it looks like he is on an $18 million contract, basically through the prime of his career, um, a.k.a. an absolute steal for the Rockies. Well done. I completely agree. Uh, one uh, league-leading stat that doesn't get talked about enough, it's walks. Uh, Mike Trout and Juan Soto both said, hey, yo, I'm walking here. And they are fighting each other for who's going to walk the most. I would like to apologize for what I've just done, but apologies mean I'm not going to do it again. I'm probably going to do it again at some point. Uh, Trout and Soto just are, are just stupid. Trout's got a 440 OBP and Soto has a 400 OBP. And they 
have 136 and 135 walks. And in any season without one of those guys, you're talking about one of the better OBP seasons of the decade, but because they're both playing baseball right now, we just have to appreciate it. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I tried not to, like, just put too much of my, uh, you know, my stock in ratings, but my God, Juan Soto is going to be very good for a very long time. It is interesting and fun that they're in this walks race, though, as you said. Uh, Soto led the league the last two years, 152 and 148. They are neck and neck for that um, well-sought after crown with a pretty big gap until third place in Cody Ballinger. Um, I don't even have updated stats. It could be someone else by now. Who it knows? is. You're fine. It is. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe update stats plus one time for me, friend. Ah, it's my dad. Uh, Artie, I got to talk about steals. Can we talk about steals? We can talk about who you only have one guy in the top seven for what I'm looking at right now, which is really not what you want. Come on, man. Yeah, I built my team on on running the base pass and being maniacs there. And Khalil Lee, who is third in steals right now with 44, has done that. Khalil Lee is also second in the most caught stealing attempts. But you know what? I'd rather him go like 0 for 20 on stealing base attempts because if he went 0 for 5, that means he lost confidence and he stopped stealing. But I have to talk about Christian Pache. Christian Pache, I don't know how to pronounce it. He's 24. He's just unreal on the base pass. He is leading the majors right now with 52 stolen bases. He is one of the premier center fielders in baseball. And in most years, he would probably get MVP consideration. He's on pace for seven war with an 870 OPS and 50-plus steals. He is having just an unreal season. On pace there, but with a a hamstring strain that looks like it's going to keep him out through the end of the year. Ah, It's a shame. That really hurts. But, yeah, he 52 steals there. Uh, Milwaukee, Bryce Terang's got 48 steals. So I'm happy to see the stolen base isn't dead. It's always wonderful. Vidal Brujan in Montreal on the opposite end has been caught stealing 19 times. So, you know, sometimes you just get caught, but don't ever stop. Keep running those bases. I hope that we all put our steal, stolen base slider to max for 2024. We just break the all-time league record in steals. Yeah, I'm looking at, again, outdated, but 23 stolen bases caught 19 times. I don't know if you're just picking <laughs> bad spots. I don't know if they're pitching out on you, friend, but <laughs> it's not good. Yo, I forgot about the pitch out. That's something that hasn't happened in a while in real life baseball. Yeah, nineteen leading the league in caught stealing and not even within like 30 of first place for stolen bases. So that's tough. I love it. Uh, one player that I'd love to talk about just for – the stupid video game season he's having. And if he wasn't living in Cody Bellinger's world, he'd be the National League MVP. And that's Ronald Acuna Jr. Ronald Acuna Jr. has the most win probability added of any player in the league. He almost has a full half point above Cody Bellinger. And he has the most extra base hits in all of baseball. And he's just a fantastic player. He has... A 310 average, 640 slugging, 400 OBP, 1.044 OPS. He's on pace for 9.3 war, which 
in, in a normal season, that's the MVP. But it's just a reminder that Cody Bellinger is superhuman this year. And Ronald Acuna Jr., if I could give you the Burger King MVP award, I would. But Cody Bellinger probably deserves that too. Yeah, and he's doing it in an outfield that really needs a guy who can do it all and that he can play all three spots, play all three of them well, hits hits for power, great base runner, good arm, and he's doing it out there with Ben Benintendi. Um, and it looks like uh, Everson Pieria, which is a name I just said for the first time ever, probably for the last time. Um, but they don't <laughs> they don't have much outfield depth out there, especially with JD Martinez now uh, down for two weeks with a herniated disc. Um, he is just beyond valuable to that Braves team. I a thousand percent agree. Artie, you got any batters you want to talk about? Or are we ready to hop over to pitching? We can hop over to pitching. Sick. I think, bro. Have you have you seen Kyle Wright's stat lines? <laughs> this is, I know it, but let's do it. This is stupid. So we got a lot of newer players in the league. Uh, this might be your first podcast that you might be hearing. So I want to give you the backstory to Kyle Wright. When I first joined the league in 2020, when the league started, Kyle Wright was one of my depth pitchers for Atlanta. We had so much young talent. I wanted to move him for prospects and some talent. So I got an outfielder, Colton Welker and Grant Levine. I was like, great, great. Young talent. This will do. I did not expect Kyle Wright to turn into like the greatest pitcher of a generation. Kyle Wright pitches in cores. If you don't know about cores, cores typically has about 25% more doubles and triples, about 20% more home runs than any other ballpark in baseball because of the elevation. And the cores effect does exist. Artie and I have talked about it on the podcast before, and we've seen some just stupid stat lines come out of Colorado. But what that means is it makes it impossible for pitchers to pitch there. Because all of those hits and all those extra base hits really make it harder for them to keep guys off the bases and from scoring. Kyle Wright said, you know what? No, fuck off. I, I'm i my own man, and I am my own pitcher, and I'm going to do whatever I want. He has just one of the best stat lines I think we're ever going to see in Colorado. 31 games started, 214 innings pitched. A 3.35 ERA. He has walked 59. He has struck out 262. A 1.15 whip. Only one home run per nine inning. He's striking out 11 per nine. A BABIP over 300. An ERA plus of 140, which is not park adjusted. And he has 7.6 war with two starts to go. That has matriculated in Colorado, giving him 18 wins and six losses. This is, in my personal opinion, the best single season pitching performance we have seen in the league. And I believe it is better than Flaherty during those St. Louis years. You certainly spoke much higher of him than I thought. I was like prepared for in any way, but I'm I'm glad you brought up a lot of good points there. Um, to speak a little bit more to that Coors effect, uh, right now again outdated by about a week. 
Um, home ERA 4.1, road ERA 2.86. Um, 4.1 at Coors is really like not that bad at all. Um, That's you great. can speak to it more when you can look at um, so the what I'm looking at now pitched about nine more innings on the road, but the war is about equal. So that really tells the, the whole story there. He is pitching outstanding. He's adding more value as a starter at Coors than you could ever expect. Looks like he even turns up his strikeout stuff um, and turns up his control at Coors. He has less walks and more Ks per nine innings at home. Uh, so he is just doing um, some outstanding stuff. Um, if you care about wins and losses, uh, one, what the hell are you doing here? But two, he's 11-2 and two on the road, 6-4 and four at home, but does not matter because that war is almost identical in both situations. Yeah, I... ERA is a big stat, and guys like Dustin May, Isaac Escada, and Walker Bueller really should, and Zach Allen, should be spoken about for having sub-three ERAs, but they're not at Coors. That's the thing. They don't, they don't, they play in not Coors Field. So, yeah, Dustin May is 2.74. Isaac Escada probably deserves the Rookie of the Year award. That guy's just absolutely stupid good. Walker Buehler is fantastic. Zach Allen's fantastic, but they are not pitching in cores. Yeah, again, the main theme here, as you've said, is pitching in cores. Um, one guy who I think is having an excellent bounce back season from two that sort of left a little bit to be desired is Garrett Cole over in New York. Um, right now has a whip under one, um, has already matched his last season's war. He's already over 200 innings. ERA in the low three is exactly where it belongs. But again, what I really care about for a guy like Eric Cole is how effectively he eats up innings. Um, really, really following through now on that $36 million contract. It looks like I'm back up on that control with the walk numbers are down again and those strikeout numbers are up. Not Houston level sticky stuff up, but still up exactly where you want them. I'm so happy you talked about Cole. Uh, every time I saw his name show up uh, during the sims i was like this guy's season's unreal uh he's having just a fantastic year and i remember when we talked about him during 2021 he was one of our disappointing players uh 2020 he was injured for pretty much the whole year and 2021 he comes back and he only had like a 4.4 era so to see that bounce back last year and this year he's a premier pitcher again and it's great to see yeah, you can, and I'm just looking at his game log right here. A lot of sevens, a lot of eights, a couple nines scattered in there. Exactly what you want from your ace. Yeah, uh, talking about nines, I'd love to talk about just the absolute mess of players that have thrown five complete games so far. Uh, Artie, you don't have to react too strongly to this, but it's just you'd expect like five complete games in a year. You're talking about nothing but ace-level talent. The five players that have, th or six players that have thrown five complete games are Madison Bumgarner in Arizona, five plus ERA. Zach Davies in Chicago, four plus ERA. Great season. He's out for a while with a bad injury. Uh, we have Pablo Lopez and the Yankees. Shout out my IRL Miami fans. Pablo Lopez is a premier pitcher. He's fantastic. Nick. Margavicious, a Kansas City Royal, 5.71 ERA, five complete games. Uh, Seth Nordland, young player, really up-and-coming guy in Texas, five complete games. And then Noah Syndergaard in Minnesota, 
five complete games, 3.7 ERA. Looking at this, two guys do not belong. <laughs> and is Bumgarner and Marg Vicious. And it's just so funny to me that it, the rebuilding teams essentially were like, yeah, eat the innings. We don't care. Complete the game. Go for it. And I'm just happy I have a Royal on a rating somewhere here. Yeah, I really, really, like, not in a way that I would trade for him ever, but, like, really like Madison Bumgarner just looking at his stats from the past few years pretty reliably uh, in the low fives for ERA, which, you know, isn't, like, good, but it's reliable. But also really reliably, like, pitching over 190 innings. This dude is eating it. He's an old head. He's just doing it the old-fashioned way. He's a finesse pitcher. Um, I really, really like him a lot. Also, if we ever get rid of the DH, 50 power, 50 home run power. Just something to think about. Let's not think about it too much. <laughs> okay. Uh, one other name I want to shout out, uh, and specifically a stat, is the saves award and kind of who's going to end up with the most saves. Kenley Jansen's had one heck of a bounce back year. He's been just the definition of a journeyman reliever. He's spent his time in the league on like seven different teams. He gets traded every three weeks, but he's spent some good time in St. Louis this year, the entire season, 37 saves, a sub three RA love to see it. Josh Hader and uh, Joel Kunal are the premier guys though. Hader in Milwaukee is just your dream closer. He is the best closer in baseball. He's going to win the award again. And, yeah, he probably deserves it. But if there's any surprise here when it comes to those elite high leverage guys, Joel Kunal for Q's at Cincinnati Reds, he has 39 saves. Cincinnati is not a team that's like competing. They don't have a ton of wins. Cincinnati has 72 wins. He saved more than half their wins. So for a sub 500 team, Q found a guy who's going to be their closer, maybe for throughout the rebuild. And when they start winning again, they got a really high leverage piece. Yeah, I certainly don't know if this was something he planned on having him be the closer coming into the season. Got pretty good ratings around, uh, you know, very well balanced. Um, ERA, I know I keep saying close ERA, not that important, uh, but his ERA, not nothing too fancy. Pretty good Ks per nine, but a lot of walks. But yeah, he's just somehow ends up closing games. It's interesting that he has um, how many saves does he have now on the update? I have thirty-eight here, but 0.6 WAR. That I think is one of the saves, more baby. That's one of the more interesting things. And then you see a guy with forty-one saves with two point one WAR. Really got to start thinking where we want to like. Really is like a case study and what stats are you looking at? You know, what numbers are you looking at? What you know, accumulative things are you looking at when you are valuing your relievers? Yeah, especially I know we do have some players who this might be their first online league. Pitcher war is so, so, so whack. I don't, it's a really weird calculation. Um, but yeah, especially with relievers, you really want to look at kind of your ratios, your strikeouts, how many hits do they give up. And like you said, this is a perfect case study. Hater has maybe two or three more saves, but Kunal has a few more losses on the year, but he's doing a pretty similar and comparable job for a team that's not nearly as good as Milwaukee. So thanks for bringing that up, man. 
Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm just now going down the line and looking at Warren. It's absolutely all over the place, as is ERA. But if you're up by less than four, if you're up by three or less, and you finish the game, you get the save. Well done, buddy. <laughs> uh, somebody that is definitely certainly not going to get a well done, buddy, from me on this year is formerly my favorite pitcher in the league, uh, Michael Pineda. Michael Pineda. <laughs> is a league legend. For those of you that don't know, Michael Pineda, one time, time pitched 10 innings. Michael Pineda is Four and eighteen on the year, bro. Four and eighteen. What happened? That's my guy. He went ten and five the year before. Yeah, he is really in uh, dangerous territory, threatening for that um, coveted twenty L um, award that I think we give out every year. Um, he looks like he's got that locked up, and it is you know partly because he does eat up so many innings and gets out of innings so efficiently, like you were just saying. Unfortunately, he also gives up runs pretty efficiently. Mega sucks. Uh, the only other people with more than 15 wins are our guy with five complete games, Madison Bumgarner. Very odd dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. And Zach Davies, who also has completed five games. <laughs> so of the guys that have complete games, uh, of those six that I listed off earlier, two of them are competing for the most losses in the league. The last stat I want to talk about that isn't an advanced or deep dive of a statistic is our favorite award that we give out, the Chad Innings Eater Award. Artie, um, I know that you don't have the most recent updated statistics, but can you think of a formerly maybe two or three best starting pitcher in the AL Central that maybe went to the NL that could compete for this award? You know... I don't know how I feel about that joke anymore now that he's not on the team. Uh, but it does look like it's going to my baby boy Bieber. Your baby boy Bieber currently is 216 inning pitched. He is ahead of Kyle Wright by 1.1 inning pitched. He could win the Chad Innings Eater Award, and he could do it effectively and garner the war. I He's just pitching great. He's eating the innings. You know, I'm happy for him. He, he wasn't doing as well as he could in Cleveland. Looks like he's doing outstanding over in Pittsburgh, which, um, you know, hasn't happened before with anybody like Clevenger, you know, any other big starting pitchers <laughs> like Carlos Carrasco that I've traded. But, you know, whatever, guys. You hate Cleveland. Me too. <laughs> well, before we move on away from the players and talk about the teams, uh, is there any other pitching performance you want to talk about? No, I just wanted to add one more comment on the losses. The thing about completing the game is you're going to get the win or the loss, and if you have Toronto or Arizona's offense, it's probably going to be the loss. Well, they completed the game. That's all they I'm going to say. They, they finished the game. It's their game. <laughs> it's, yeah. Listen, the Chad Innings Eater meme is so funny. It's like, yeah, 160 innings pitch, 3.5 ERA, 2.0 war. Uh, or... 300 innings pitched, 5.2 ERA, 2.0 war. It's your choice. You want the innings eight or you don't want them eight? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a give and take, I guess. 
<laughs> so let's talk about some shocking and surprising teams. Uh, I'll start with one team that just really surprises me looking at them on paper. I, Alex, bro, you know I love you. You know I love your aggressive approach with the trades you make and everything. Looking at your team, you should be competing for the wild card and you should be up there in the division. I cannot believe that the Pirates, with all the aggressive moves that they've made and the names on the roster, that they are sitting currently at 70 and 79. I, it, it kills me. And I really think it's because of our Greek god, Pythagoras. The Pythagorean record says that they should be at 76 and 73. They should be in second in the division competing for the wild card. But just a couple of one-run, low-run losses, it sucks. And I, it's sad to see because I know that the Pirates are going to be so, so, so good so soon. Yeah, I mean, listen, next year they're still going to have Asa Lacey. They're still going to have Bieber. They're still going to have Jack Flaherty. Um, it looks like, I just want to make sure. Yep, they're still going to have Mitch Keller. They're still going to have a lot of their pieces. For some reason, just the run differential god, Pythagoras, is not smiling upon him right now. They also have other guys who I think you know are kind of underperforming where they could be, as we talked about earlier. Uh, Gio Rochella, just hit the ball, man. You're a great defender. Just hit the damn ball. Just, um, just hit the ball. Uh, Byron Buxton, a lot of guys underperform, but as we know, he is the pest of the pipeline. He's got a lot of good guys coming up. Um, even though he did trade a lot to me in that Beaver trade, it's still I put maybe a tiny little ding in the armor that is that pipeline. He's going to be okay. They're going to be good next year, maybe compete. If not, they're going to be right in it the year after it. Absolutely. Uh, another team that just shocks me to no end is the New York Mets. <laughs> I I don't get it. The Mets went like four Sims without a general manager, and they're in the wild card two spot. They traded away their entire core. <laughs> like Literally their entire core in the offseason. And they're somehow, they're sitting at 81 and 69. I don't get it. And I look at their team statistics. They are a bottom third hitting team. They are not a good offensive baseball club. They are an above average or in the top half in the NL when it comes to pitching. They're the team highlight and the only thing that they're top three in anywhere is the bullpen. What are these guys doing at 81 and 69? It's insane. It is. What does Alex Rodriguez say already? Baseball. It's baseball. And that's, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's really a mess, especially as you were saying that just started to look into some of these team leaderboard stats and notice, you know, a distinct lack of the Mets for a team that's, you know, uh, ranked where they are right now in terms of standings and in terms of just, you know, win total. 
um, might speak a little bit to, you know, how the clubhouse reacts to the ousting of a toxic GM. I don't really know. I don't want to speak to that in the formulas in out of the park baseball. But yeah, they're they're putting up some some miraculous stuff over here over there. Yeah, I, I, I don't see them on top in like any meaningful category right now. They're, you know, pretty standard um, run differential that has them about where they should be. Only four games above uh, 501 run games. I don't know where it's coming from, but they're technically in the mix. Well, they're seriously in the mix. Yeah. One team that is hot on their chase is Zach's Cardinals. The Cardinals have had a miracle run before in the past to make the wild card. And I think that that's probably the most exciting race. I'll dive into that probably at the end of this. Uh, But another team that really, really shocks me is the Montreal Expos. Uh, The Expos have been in the mix in the prior years, and they've always been a good team, but they are a bona fide 100-win contender. And if they weren't in the middle of just Tyler's insane run as the Boston Red Sox GM, they'd be certified a number one or number two seed. They also use a very unconventional three-stopper strategy where they have three players that all pick up saves. And four, if Tyler Duffy was in the mood for it. Um, Look at their team. It's super, super, super interesting because they don't have any true crazy superstars other than maybe Wander Franco, who's just a genuine superstar. But outside of that, it's a lot of guys that we've seen before come together and be a really, really good team, bolstered by a good pitching staff that keeps them in the running and looking at their leaderboard, I'm sure you see them everywhere because they have the best offense in baseball that just clicks one through nine. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned something about their really well-balanced team. Um, There's just not much negative to speak of here. Um, The only slight negative I can even see like offensively is a guy like Austin Barnes, but he's a catcher and he's doing a great job uh, has 65 catcher ability on OSA. Um, Vidal Brujan, another guy who can get on base and steal bases. He's a great defender um, in the infield. And then everybody else is just putting up, you know, really, really strong seasons. Charlie Blackman, a guy who I think a lot of us had sort of written off um, in the last couple seasons as past his prime and in the end of a really bad contract. But even he's having a pretty good season, 814 OPS, 37 years old, and he's still getting it done. Um, I think they're just getting a lot of value out of guys you wouldn't really expect to see it in. And then all of their young stars, um, you know, like Wander Franco, um, like O'Neill Cruz, are performing above what they're needed of them. Yeah, it's an interesting team. And it's looking like they'll probably, barring something like godly to happen, I think they're going to end up hosting the wildcard game. They're at 94 wins right now, and nobody's really that close they'd have to have the worst meltdown in like baseball history i think they're set to host um already any other teams jumping out at you that kind of interests you or kind of shock you a little bit um well i actually wanted to talk a little bit more about since we're getting into it the playoff race now again i can't see it right now i'm sure i could scroll on over to highlights and take a look but i want to see what's going on over there in the very exciting nl east race oh my god man it's awesome so uh, before this sim, Atlanta started this sim 
with a two-game lead on Philadelphia. And boy, what a time for a one and six sim. Atlanta drops not one and six. They dropped five games in a row. And they only won one game against the Mets, two to one. And at the exact same time, Philadelphia went on a great run. They went four and three. And I've completely flipped the standings. Dan, uh, it's Cody Bellinger's world when we're living in it. Uh, he is now leading the National League East by two games. The Mets aren't mathematically out of it either. They are nine games back. Uh, but that nine games is going to be a tall order with so few, few games left to play. Yeah, also worth mentioning that this is going to be a really, really important, you know, uh, division to them because right now it's looking like they're probably going to have to face the Cardinals. On the, I think they're in the number two spot right now. Again, cannot see that right away, but if they do, they're going to be able to put a guy like Chris Paddock up in a wild card game, and I don't know if I want to be on the other end of that. Yeah, uh, the wild card race right now is pretty wild too. It's between the Cardinals and the Mets. Uh, the Mets are at 81 and 69, softly holding that second spot. Then the Cardinals are at 79 and 70. So that's that wild card too. Uh, Colorado is also living on a prayer at 77 and 74, four games back in the wild card. But it's looking like a two horse race with about 15 games left to play between the Mets and the Cardinals. And yeah. to be honest, like in a wild card game, you want to face Isaac Escada or you want to face Chris Paddock, your choice. Yeah, and that's really tough. And I mean, obviously, uh, you know the the Phillies are no slouches over there, but that's not a matchup I would favor. I mean, you can throw Carlos Carrasco out there. Um, certainly, he's a big game pitcher. He's been there before. He'll do it again. But um, uh, hopefully, um, whoever is able to um, win that division um, is going to be able to take advantage of not having to be in that wild card game. Yeah, it's. That's a division they've hosted three playoff teams year in and year out at this point. So I'd be kind of shocked to see if another division kind of snuck that away from them. Um, both the Phillies and the Braves and the Mets and the Cardinals, I wouldn't want to play them in a best of five. They'll have a great top three pitching staff and their lineups are all somewhat scary. Um, another playoff race that I'm keeping my eye on, uh, just to see kind of how seeding kind of plays out, uh, in the American league, the wild cards look pretty much set. Uh, there's big math. I was saying this today on Slack. Big math tells me that we still have like five teams competing but both the Twins and the Astros are six and nine and a half games back, respectively. So really, we're looking at who's going to host the American League wildcard. And the Expos and Yankees have a tough road. Um, they're going to have to spend most of it in the division. They're going to have to do it against each other. And one of the series that could divide that or decide that is at the very end of the year where the Yankees and Expos play each other in Montreal. The Yankees have a harder road. They have to play Los Angeles, who is a fantastic team. They finally built up what you were talking about in 2021. They're going to 
they cl- they're going to clinch the West. But it's going to be interesting to see if New York might be able to make a run. They've been hot. And if they can maybe host a playoff game. I would not want to play a playoff game in the pinball park that is Yankee Stadium. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you bring that up that they're going to play, a, a, I'm assuming, a three-game set to end the year and then almost certainly a wildcard game two days after. That's going to be an interesting feeling in that stadium because, you know, they're, I don't believe that they're going to be able to close the gap. I think this is going to be a game in Montreal, but that's going to be a weird little feeling out period that they get to have before one game that finally matters. You don't really <laughs> see something like that very often. Basically, two teams playing each other three times in a, you know, non-consequential series just to play one game two days later to make the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, it's a very, very, very interesting scenario. Uh, if I'm in that position and seating's even close to being set, I'm putting AAA guys in, just saying, hey, let's rest up the guys for the wild card. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cole's going in a freezer. <laughs> getting bubble wrapped. No one touch him. No one look at him. Certainly no one talk to him. Yeah, <laughs> Cole's in a freezer. Uh, Glass now is in a freezer, and Baz is nowhere to be found to come out of the bullpen. <laughs> like, just boys don't even look at a baseball field. Yeah, that'll be a fun AAA matchup. I uh, one thing I would I there's not too many other races that are really jumping out at me. Um, one thing I just would like to say to anybody else that made it this far and is listening is I have to give so much credit to Q in Cincinnati. Q right now is 72 and 77, and his team is not mathematically eliminated. Uh, in my opinion, that is the single hardest job to take over and out of the park 21. It is just a bad team with no upside and some just genuinely awful contracts. The future's bright in Cincinnati, and hopefully they're on the way up. And I got to give a shout out to Peter in Minnesota. Um, I, when I took over commissioner, I was thinking about rule changes to make people make more trades. And I think Pete and Alex were the first guys that really went out and just leveraged everything saying, what can I get right now? Can I make a trade? Pete's the first guy that I saw making these trades. I was like, this guy is all in. (laughs) And he went all in. It's, going to be a super tight playoff run down the road for him and i i just love seeing teams leverage what they have and seeing if they can make a wins out of it yeah absolutely um they have been really really strong general managers excited to see what their teams are able to do in the future and before we move on just the teams i think that have got some upside and just keep an eye on them for the next season The future is so bright in Texas. (laughs) Just, I cannot believe how young they are. Maximo Acosta, 20 years old, 4.4 war. Zion Bannister, 22, 3.3 war. Uh, It's just Robert Gonzalez, right field, 1.4 war. Like These guys are going to be so, so, so good for so, so, so long. So Tyler in Texas has just built a potential dynasty in the West. Brian's gone all in the past few years. He's made some crazy playoff runs. It'll be interesting to see how Houston finishes down the stretch and to see where they go in the offseason. But I said it today on Slack, Artie, 
I still think the kings of the league are Boston and Los Angeles. And I cannot imagine seeing another World Series with teams that are not Boston and Los Angeles. And those are going to be my picks. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to bet against them. They've set up truly operational Death Stars. Um, If you just look at the run differential, if you look at the pitching, if you look at the hitting, if you look at any measure, these are the two best teams. They have been for a long time. Um, And I think we're going to see a showdown in late October between those two. I love it. Uh, Artie, um, that's everything I wanted to talk about. I think I'll save the prospects for another night. We've gone about an hour and 50. Before we close it out, what are your closing thoughts? Anything you want to talk about to finish us off? Fuck Lino. I think we got that out. I don't think I said it out loud yet, and I really wanted to, so I'm glad I did. I hope everyone who's still somehow here heard that and appreciated it. Uh, Number two, Shane Bieber, I'm so sorry. I love you. I miss you. Um, But you're probably never going to play here again, because why would you? We suck. Uh, (laughs) Number three, uh, I need to get another pour of this whiskey. Okay. Uh, My closing thoughts. The AL Central is what we thought it is. It is still a bad division. And brother, I'm happy me, you, and Chad were the first three teams eliminated from the playoffs. I wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, Here's hoping to maybe 2027 when (laughs) me, you, and Chad are competing for the wild card, making some runs at it. I would like to say before we hop off this, I loved Lino. I loved the chaos he provided. I did not like that he started targeting people, but my goodness, was that guy active. Um, and I guess my final closing thought, I'm going to edit in this offseason Matt Olson's nickname to be King. Uh, it's Ollie right now. Nobody's ever called him Ollie. It's, he's King Olson. Um, so... Uh, if I end up getting a career-ending injury, I'm sorry. I would like to apologize. It's just it's the name of the game that can happen. Final thought. Um, as Cleveland GM, I have to announce that we're interested in moving to Calgary, Calgary Alberta, Canada. Um, more to come. You did not submit a relocation proposal. <laughs> well, if I put the team on a bus... And they're in Canada. <laughs> what are you going to do? Load up the trucks. Jim Irsay oh. style. Okay. I think we've made it long enough. Uh, I'm uploading this unedited. This was fun. Already have a wonderful night. And to the 28 other guys that join us night in, day in, and day out for the league. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure being your commissioner. And thanks for all the laughs that we've had along the way. 2023 has been fun, and here's hoping for just a great end of the season and some great playoffs. All right. See you next time, boys.